Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo. Dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. Such a good show tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time, lots to talk about. This uh, study came out pretty interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, a new study reveals... One out of eight Americans is an alcoholic. (laughs) However, 
However, after Trump's comments on North Korea yesterday, it's now seven out of eight Americans. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll look that up. That's a pretty surprising statistic. So I'm wondering what their criteria are for that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. And handy enough, I have the toughest and easiest states on drunk drivers mm. that we can drop in at some point. Really good piece, really interesting piece in the Washington Post the other day. Uh, the title of which is there are 7 million unemployed and 6.2 million job openings. What's the problem? Seems like simple math. Well, we invited uh, the fabulous Heather Long uh, back to the Armstrong and Getty Show to discuss what is going on, why those two th- the situations can't meet with a, a beautiful and equitable solution. Heather, welcome. How are you? Hi. So, uh, it- l- listen, you got you got the, the, the giant piles of cheese and you got a bunch of mice. Right. Yeah. Got, I mean, this, the, the solution is obvious. Six point two million job openings, about seven million unemployed Americans. What's holding up those getting together? Yeah, it sure seems like this should be super simple. Uh, but I, I get complaints from both sides. The employers and the CEOs are calling and they say, hey, I can't find any skilled workers. Sure, there's seven million people who say they want a job, but some of them are. They don't know how to do anything. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Just before this, you were talking about how many people may be alcoholics in the country, and sometimes people complain that the managers, that they have people showing up to work who uh, who are drunk or who are even high on different substances. But on the other side, I hear workers say, and job seekers call me, and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not going to say that everybody's great who's applying for these jobs, but the reality is uh, the employers say they can't find people, but they won't raise their wages. You know, they won't uh, actually try to incentivize better people to imply by paying paying more. You know, Heather, I, I don't know how long you are, and I wouldn't uh, how long you are. I'm sorry, that's your last name. I'm reading your name. Um, how old you are, and I would never ask because I'm a gentleman. Uh, but for most of human history, if you would just take the best job you could find and just continuing not to work because you don't think you're being paid enough, well, you'd starve to death. <laughs> the so issue was an option. Yeah. Uh, did did you look at all about the, uh, well, it, it's indisputable that the more generous uh, unemployment benefits are, the less motivation there is for job seekers, that sort of thing? or. Yeah, uh, you know, you make a good point. And, and I will say, though, we're at the point where the economy is doing well enough that people, many people aren't receiving those unemployment benefits anymore. So the, the town for, that used to be during the heart of the recession that people would, could be on unemployment for a long time, for maybe up to a year or more, that has really reduced now since most states' economies are doing better. Um, the, other thing, the other thing I would, I would put in, and we talked about this a little bit in my article, uh, it does seem in some cases employers maybe are being too picky. Like if you don't have the exact um, thing they're looking for on your resume, they won't even give you a chance. And I, I talk about one woman who went to a job fair, and she had a lot of uh, years of experience as an administrative assistant. And she walk, rocks up to a place that wants people to be in a call center and she's thinking great you know i used to be administrative assistant i handled the phones all day long i'm going to be great at this and they look at her and they say yeah but you haven't worked in a call center before well see that's that's a stupid crappy business and it should go out of business (laughs) i mean i would think the free market would take care of that pretty quickly I think you're right, and that that's why so many people are stuck.
swamped. I mean, from the White House to the economists to the workers and the CEOs, where just like you said at the opening, it seems like this should be a no-brainer, that companies should train a few people, not massive training, but like this woman who wants to work at the call center, and workers should should be more willing to to take whatever they can get. But there's, there's still clearly a disconnect here that's going on. A mismatch of skills, you know, is legitimate. I mean, it's fun to say there are 7 million unemployed and 6.2 million jobs. How do we not correct them? But, you know, if they need brain surgeons and as much as I want the job, they can't hire me. Um, But so so what kind of jobs are we talking about with the 6.2 million jobs? Is, Is it all different kinds of jobs or does it tend to be a certain sort of thing? Well, that's the good news, I would say, is that there are openings across the board. I mean, you pretty much name a job and and there's an opening. So, yes, there's the the lower end, the retail and the call center jobs, but there's also uh, been a big increase in manufacturing openings and construction openings, which is good to see for folks who want to get paid a little more at the lower end. And then, of course, we also have those ongoing job openings and and particularly in what they call business and uh, in the the tech sector. So those are those higher end almost brain surgeon-esque jobs. So uh, Heather Long, economics reporter for the Washington Post, is is chatting with us. I saw a study that Goldman Sachs did, and, you know, I know it, a lot of you are reacting, oh, Goldman Sachs, the, the <laughs> crisis, they're, they're scumbags, and they may well be. But they're doing this report on finding labor uh, for big business, which is obviously a, a critical thing for business to get right. And what there's what they said was that there is so much opioid abuse, especially in your downtrodden parts of America, that you can build a factory, say, in Ohio, um, but you can't find people to work there because so many people are on drugs. Exactly. I mean, that is definitely a huge issue in America, and that's why pretty much every governor and and now we have the president are are trying to figure out what to do about that one. Uh, The reality is, even though we have 7 million people looking for work, uh, there's still uh, a dramatically lower number of of what we call Americans, prime age Americans, 25 to 54-year-olds who are even in the workforce at all or let alone are looking for a job. Like, they literally have just stopped, and a big issue is that they're addicted to drugs so they can't even go out and look for a job. Boy, the labor market participation rate for American men in the uh, the prime age that you mentioned has fallen 10% since 1954. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. Just 10% more men have just decided, I'm not working, which is astonishing. But yeah, I've never seen it as an option. Yeah, yeah, wild, wild. So, all right, drugs, skills mismatch. Some um, people blame video games, but I, I, I think, do. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and pornography. Um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't finish the piece. I should have because I really enjoyed it. But did you talk about people's willingness to relocate at all? You know, I did a whole piece on that the week before, and that was going to be my final point with you oh, guys, great. but you're always a step ahead. Oh, cut and, it out. Uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're a couple of guys that have moved around in, in the radio business. You either, you either do or you don't stay in the radio business long, but... Um, I've noticed a tendency, I think, of people thinking, you know, I'm from here, and unless I can find the job I want here, I just won't work. Yeah, and that's a problem. That's another problem across the U.S. economy. Our our grandparents' generation, so in that 50s, 60s, 70s period, double the number of people in any given year would move in the United States compared to now. So, wow. You know, and wow, I that is amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of people trying to figure out why this has dramatically decreased, but the reality is it's just not happening. Our whole country's founded on the idea. I mean, those people crossed an ocean left like going to another planet. 
to try to find a better way of life. And then, you know, we're, we're out on the West Coast. Everybody on the West Coast came from the other side of the country, like going to another planet, risking your life. I mean, the, the spirit of the country is built around, I'll go wherever I got to go to start a new life. And now people just won't. If I can't find the job I like where I happen to grow up, forget it. I just, I guess I'll just be unemployed. All right, Captain Judgmental. I'm more interested in the data. Heather, did, did you interview people? I mean, do they have any clue? I mean, 50% as many is astonishing. Uh, what is it? Is is it attitude, as, as Jack is so harshly suggesting? Weakness. <laughs> More judgment. Yeah. Well, I think there's two factors, and, and um, one kind of goes to what, what he was saying, and that um, that is the cultural factors. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had a nice piece last week where they went around the country interviewing folks uh, in more rural areas and, and several who, who even tried to move to bigger cities. And we're not even talking New York City. We're just talking a bigger city in their own state. And they uh, they really just felt like suddenly they were living in, among godless people who you know were willing to have sex with strangers but didn't want to say hello to their neighbors, and they just didn't wow, want to live that's that a way. pretty good description right there. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty good description right there. Wow, uh, I'd never heard it put that way. That's excellent. <laughs> and but the other side of it, and then more getting more um, towards the data side of it, is people say, look, there are costs to to moving, and those have gotten higher, and housing costs have become a huge issue. So if um, you know, you know, folks who live in certain parts of the country, lucky them, and they can get a home for fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. And if they try to move somewhere else, uh, good luck. You know, good, sure, there's jobs in the San Francisco area or in New York City area, but to move to there, where are you going to live? You know, in a cardboard box. So I hear that as an issue more and more for people. Uh, and also, they're they're scared that, okay, I could get a job now if I move, but see, people aren't staying in jobs as longer. So mm. I've, I've heard some horror stories from people who have made a lot of jumps around the country trying to get, trying to chase a better job or any job at all, only to be laid off. That's know, the first months. time, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody bring that up, first time I've thought of it. It's a good point. Back in the day, you would really Locate like my dad moving. People didn't change jobs that much, so okay, you know, pick up the family you're going to leave. It's a big deal. Friends, family, school, all the stuff you're going to change. But you're going to go there and you're going to set down new roots and stay there for a long time and work for that company for thirty years till they give you a gold watch. Do you want to go through exactly. all that difficulty and heartache and trouble of moving to be there for a couple of years, then move again? Would you like to apologize to Heather for your harsh judgmentalism <laughs> of a few moments ago? <laughs> Uh, folks, the fabulous Heather Long. Man, you are good. You are really, really, really good. We love you. We really think you're terrific, Heather Long of the Washington Post. Thanks a million. All right. Talk soon. All right. Good to talk to you. Thanks. God, you can talk to reporters that don't know anything about what they're talking about. Or, or someone like her knows or everything. Or like perma-angry. <laughs> or talk to someone like her knows everything about what she's talking about. Oh, my about. God. How good is she? That's really interesting stuff. Tell you what. She ever wants uh, real money. Have her relocate to radio. Because <laughs> Washington Post. And, needless to say, glamour. <laughs> uh, wow, that's true. How interesting. It's all interesting. You know what? It just struck me. The, the astonishing. I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But the the opioid thing and legal pot is has posed a ginormous problem for employers. Because they still have you can't smoke pot in their corporate laws. And so if you whiz quiz people, a huge number of applicants, you know, are riding dirty and, and you can't hire them. That's, and so that's a different thing. And so uh, <laughs> companies are, are struggling to figure out, all right, what do we do? I mean, if you're 
if you're working in some call center and you like to get high in the evening, um, who cares? What, what are no you, freaking kidding. What I would are you going to do? They ought to let you get high at work to do that. I've done it. Trust me. Um, uh, but, you know, they point out if you're like a factory job or a warehouse job or something like that and you're dealing with pallets full of stuff and, and the forklifts and the rest of it um, and you're also an opioid abuser or maybe just a little sluggish because you got super high, they can't have that. So that's a huge problem. Yeah, I'll tell Boy, you what. I tell you what, the relocation thing, yeah. she made a really good point about that. I'm going to make, I'm going to tell my kids, though, um, put that in early so they think about it and see it as a possibility. The, I think the quickest leg up you can get in America is the willingness to relocate. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, the and- quickest way to separate yourself from everybody else you're competing with is you're willing to go somewhere to get the job. Well, and, and while I sympathize with that whole gambling thing, you know, because you might not work for them forever, um, all I can tell you is I got three kids who are going to be in two weeks living in three different cities. They're pursuing opportunities, so... And they were... Were they born in three different cities? Yeah, three different... Yeah, states, actually. Born in three different states, yeah. so... I, I really think that's the quickest way to, to, to put yourself way above everybody else. The, right. the easiest one, too. And then... You achieve a certain place in whatever industry you're in, then you can stay put if you want, generally speaking. Uh, any comments? Text line 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Love the text line at 415-295-KFTC. Um, you jerks! People in lower income levels don't have enough money to move. And then I got to thinking oh, about all the times I moved when I was really poor and everything fit in my car. But it kind of fits in with this text. I think people had less possessions back in the day and they had a small nest egg. People now can't afford to move because they have too much stuff and no savings. Well, right. If you don't have any money saved up and yeah, you got a you, lot of stuff, it is going to be hard to move. What are you talking about? People don't have enough money to move. People have been moving. God, what, a, what an attitude. What an attitude. Hey, if a lumberjack needs a job, but the only openings are for historians, what do you do? That gets ah, back to an earlier segment. Reference to our uh, earlier right. You don't exactly. have the trunk strength. Yeah, clearly. Clearly, no. So, uh... Great evening. I'm not going to go too far with this. I don't want to embarrass her, but the little D and I went out for her. She's leaving for college in like a week and a half or something like that. I probably ought to figure that out because I'm going. <laughs> but um, let's see. This is the 10th. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like a week from yeah, today, right? A week and a half. Yeah. Um, Is it? What? Then next week? Yeah. Two could weeks. Be. Nobody two knows. Weeks. Nobody yeah. knows. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's really sure. It's a little under two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, Judy was going to her uh, wine club that masquerades as a book club, and uh, and so little, <laughs> little D and I uh, went out and and we had sushi, and talked about life, and then we uh, we came home and watched uh, Marx Brothers movie together, awesome. which is kind of our thing. Uh, a night at the opera. We got to squeeze in duck soup before uh, before she goes to school. If you're not familiar with uh, a night at the opera, it contains and I hope this is queued up correctly. The following. Uh, inimitable, uh, fabulous. Oh, sorry, Michael. I'm going to play some audio. Uh, his, the, the, the eternally hilarious scene that I will play in moments for you. 
if we can get, get this together. Marx Brothers had nothing to do with uh, the book about uh, capital or anything like that? <laughs> Believe that if you want. Don't look now, but there's one man too many in this room, and I think it's you. Now pay particular attention to this first clause because it's most important. <clears throat> it says the, uh, the party of the first part should be known in this contract as the party of the first part. How do you like that? That's pretty neat, eh? No, it's no good. What's the matter with it? I don't know. Let's hear it again. <laughs> it says the, uh, the party of the first part should be known in this contract as the party of the first part. That sounds a little better this time. Well, it grows on you. Would you like to hear it once more? Uh, just the first part. And on it goes for five solid minutes. Absolutely frigging hilarious. I love that sort of comedy so I, uh, much. I, uh, my God. Have you ever good. seen A Night at the Opera? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. And so we sat and cuddled on the couch and watched A Night at the Opera, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm a lucky guy. I tell you what. Uh, but she's going off to a distant city to improve her life, as we were saying before. Um I don't. I don't know. I don't even have the energy to blast the guy who says people of lower incomes don't have them. We were poor as c- can be, and we moved all over the place. You load up your crap in your car, anything you you can't fit, you sell or give away, and you go. It does help to have some savings. And if you're starting to write us an email, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I lost three of my limbs in a thresher accident, and you're telling We're not talking about you! <laughs> don't send me your email. I don't want to see it. I mean, even I, I was just thinking, well, you know, it's hard to move if you need proof of income to get a new place and stuff like that. But there's Craigslist ads for rent crashing in a room for a couple months until you stack up some paychecks. You've done it? Yes. Yeah. But that's a good point. That's a really good point, Sean. And I'm willing to, to, to throw caveats in. Back in the day, you, they weren't nearly as strict about qualifying for rent. Right. You got the first month's rent plus, plus the deposit. Welcome. Move on in. Here's a key. Same key as the last guy. He'll probably come back and rob you. But uh, go, go ahead and move in. So it is definitely more, uh, you know, wrapped up tight these days. Really struggle that with Kate trying to relocate. Um, anyway. But yeah, there, so there, a good point. there are ways around that. Like with, like the, the Craigslist, just rent a room and then get your place once the job takes hold or I, I i don't know I, you've done it yeah i have or, he's done it or talk to your employers and, and say listen can you help me out can you call the apartment complex and blah 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 you just find a way stop giving up people if you give up then don't call don't write us your texts and say i can't these impediments you're talking about this is my i'm switching into my college football mode michael get me some ill-fitting shorts and a whistle these impediments you're talking about. I think a visor would be cool. Are either what you write to us as what stopped you, or they're the hurdles you leapt over that you tell in an amusing story years from now. Which one's it going to be? Is it what stopped you, or was it what you overcame? It's up to you. God, this country, a bunch of quitters. Quit quitting. Jelly quitting. I want to see out here is quit quitting. It's funny. I was now drop and give me twenty. You spent time with your youngest, who's off to college. I was with my oldest, who's only seven. But we went for a bike ride yesterday, and nice. just him and me. And um, uh, it was warm out, and we uh, I, I I parked uh, on this county road a ways away, so we had a ways to go. But he wanted to quit <laughs> very uh, very quickly into the ride. Oh boy! And uh, and um, and we kept going. 
And um, we had to stop and rest a lot. And I just thought, I, I've, I've got to work on this. I mean, they're, they're very young, 7 to 5, but there, there have been zero um, pushing up against either mentally or physically <laughs> for my kids. Constant life of everything is completely comfortable. I'm never the slightest bit hungry, slightest bit thirsty, slightest bit cold, slightest bit hot, <laughs> slightest bit tired, slightest bit anything. There wow. probably should be just the, a little bit of pushing up against, you know, what you can do. Yes. And we did that on the bike ride yesterday, which I think was good for him. Yes. To uh, to, to go a little further than he wanted to or thought he could. Talked about that very thing with Little D at dinner last night as we were uh, slopping sushi. About uh, going through things that are a little frightening, then coming out the other end and realizing, wow, I'm a lot tougher than I thought I was, and how good that is. So, anyway, uh, do we have time for no, this? No, we do not. I really, you I know wish what? we did. It, you know what I think it would be? I think it would be perfect for our usual news segment. Oh, yes. When Marshall Phillips is here. Marshall is out with dental pain. Um, or he won the big Mega Jackpots lottery and he's never coming back. I don't know what. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll present to you the way a news story that we covered was handled by national media, and then we will uh, scream and yell about it. A text just received from a uh, female friend of mine. When I graduated from college, I packed up my car and drove to California. I had no job, no money, didn't know anyone except my brother. It's not that hard. I figured it out. Eh, I wouldn't say it's not that hard. It can be done. But being hard is not a reason no, not no, to do no, something. It's not. I'm That's just, right. You don't have to drop and give me 20. I'm just not, I don't think there's any upside to pretending it's a walk in the park to leave everything behind and start over. It's not. But it can be done. Well, and yeah. it's worth it by, by a lot. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. One in eight Americans are alcoholics, according to a new study. We'll uh, break that down a little bit coming up. And maybe we'll throw in the uh, harshest and easiest states on DUIs as well. Seems a little high to me. You seem a little high to me. (laughs) Turn the music off! That music is only for Marshall Phillips when he's here to do the news. And Marshall Phillips has abandoned the show during a week of need because of his teeth. Speaking of news, breaking news, breaking news. Brandon! It's Brandon the breaking news donkey. When news breaks, Brandon brays. It has been officially announced... William and Kate will be the king and queen of Inkwing. What's a queen? <laughs> I was doing so well. I got the whole news braze thing right. It was I exciting. Just, I was rolling, and I just uh, no, Brandon, you did great. Joe messed it up. <laughs> you did good. You're a good boy. He's so sensitive. You're Here's a good my boy. T- yeah. tone of voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> William and Kate will officially be the king and queen of England. Oh, hell! You know, if this stupidity is going to continue on for another generation, if you're going to have it continue for another generation, they seem like pretty good candidates for it because they seem to have the whole this makes sense to us thing going that uh, I don't think Harry has. I don't think Princess Di had. Um, You have to, like, at least outwardly appear that, yeah, this makes perfectly good sense. That I live my life through the lens of everything everybody's watching and all everybody's talking about. And yeah. I show up to these things, though I have no actual power. This makes perfectly good sense to me. 
Well, they will change it. They will absolutely change it. And old what's his name, the redhead who Diana had with that uh, guard guy. Um, they'll uh, they'll they'll change it, Harry. Um, it, it, it is stupid, and oh, the fact that it will continue is just ridiculous. But um, and the fact that you're a subject and not a citizen is demeaning. Anyway. Uh, so we uh, were listening to the news, as we uh, usually do, and uh, one of your networks uh, unleashed on us the, the following story. Listen, if you will, to this here. A school board in Portland, Oregon, has voted to remove the name Lynch from two elementary schools and alter the name of a third. Board head Charlene Giard says some saw racist connotations. We have children of color and other cultures, and we want to make sure that they're able to cross the threshold of those three schools and be comfortable within their surroundings. Word Lynch is the last name of the man who donated the land for the schools in the early 1900s. So there you go. That's the way all news stories are reported in America. It doesn't matter that I would guess 70% of Americans, I'd guess two out of three Americans would think that's stupid. The news reported it as if it's obviously a good idea, and they only quote somebody who comes from the perspective of, this. they didn't, they didn't have anybody, this person thinks it's dumb. It's named after a person, not lynching black people. Why don't they just explain it to people, and then the controversy would be over. Right. They didn't have that soundbite on. Well, they had the soundbite of this, God, this soft-headed moron, the head of the school board, you really are, sister? And, and ideology makes smart people stupid. Well, we want people, their children, and we want them to be comfortable. Being uncomfortable doesn't mean you're right. If you're made uncomfortable by a really dumb misperception, what you do, sweetie pie, especially because you're allegedly in the uh, world of education. Sweetie pie, more misogyny. What you do is you don't accommodate their ignorance. You educate them. Imagine that. No, it's just a name. Hundreds of millions of people have that name, or certainly many millions of people have that name. And it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the extra-legal hanging of someone for racial or other reasons. It's just a name. Not every guy named Farmer owns cows. Not every guy named Black has dark skin. It's just the friggin' name the guy gave a lot of money. To the school system because he wanted kids educated. I, now, get in class. I asked a guy named Shoemaker to get me a pair of size 11s, and he punched me right in the face. Right. Um, uh, did, were black people able to root for Marshawn Lynch, or was it just too uncomfortable? Well, L- Loretta Lynch, I can't believe, with a black president. She served as the attorney general. It was an yeah, outrage. It's, just, it's moronic. Oh, but even, even if you agree with her. The the story is always presented from that point of view, right? In almost all national news, yeah. And you could present it from both points of view. Others, however, think this is, uh, you know, overreacting, Effing moronic. <laughs> That's going to be fair. Overreacting. <laughs> I, that I am fair. I think if you just explained to the parents and children that it was named after someone who generously donated the land and has nothing to do with the, uh, the right. crime, I think we'd be fine. Well, I tell you what, that's such a great cultural blind spot, and I mean, great isn't huge. If somebody's uncomfortable, if they're made uncomfortable, then they are right, and what made them uncomfortable is wrong. Are you kidding? Inexperience makes people uncomfortable. They're afraid of, of uh, a new experience. Having your beliefs challenged makes you uncomfortable. That's the most important thing you could possibly do in education. The idea that discomfort is a symptom of anything but discomfort is just that's crazy. You people are crazy. 
Discomfort makes your muscles stronger. Discomfort makes your mind stronger. Discomfort gives you courage. It's just, oh, my God. What are we doing to ourselves? <laughs> We're becoming, you know, this was this was my great catchphrase for like a decade, and I've let it uh, uh, mold around the shelves. We have become a nation of veal calves. We're, we're fat, we're weak, we're know coddled, we're sheltered. Yep, check the box. But we're delicious. <laughs> you can check all those boxes for me. I'm fat, I'm weak, I'm coddled. Yes! You need to show up to my boot camp classes. Um, did you see uh, the, the Walmart display? It said back to school sale over the guns. Have yeah. you seen that? Mm, eh, it's yeah, just a, it was a mistake. A They've apologized. They moved the sign. Right. Well, one day, so, well, we were talking about this in the office. I was looking at the Yahoo News. They send me uh, various headlines. I get all sorts of stuff like that. But uh, six of the eight stories, six of the eight that I got the other day were designed to make me outraged. They were an opportunity to get angry at somebody. Woman fat shamed in gym. Walmart with back to school sign next to guns. Man says something rude to eight year old at baseball game. It was just all opportunities to be outraged by something. So what? What is it? What? What? What are we doing? <laughs> it's just some someone somewhere in the world was somewhat rude, and now I'm supposed to be angry about it. I have my own problems. I'm sorry the nice lady was fat shamed. That had to be awful. But I'm not going to go on Twitter and try to get the guy fired from his job. I have my own problems. Maybe that's what people need is more problems. There ought to be a government program with, where if you find yourself obsessing over some guy who was rude at an office party in Australia, <laughs> the government gives you problems so you can worry about them. It's like the old, I'll give you something to cry about. Well, right. Right. Uh, are one in eight Americans actually alcoholics? Well, we'll take a look at the study that's out that's getting some attention. I, I don't think so, but... And who are you to criticize my hobby? Yeah, knock it off. Lighten up. Mind your own business. Ian Bremmer next hour, who's pretty good on uh, world situations. We'll talk about North Korea, I reckon, among other things. That should be I good. I think that'll come up, yeah. How many drinks do you have to drink to be an alcoholic, according to this study? Doesn't seem like a lot to me, but stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Donald Trump's childhood home in Queens is now listed on Airbnb and you can rent it out and stay there yourself. Yeah, it's the house where Donald Trump was a child. <laughs> Which I thought was the White House. All right. Um, <laughs> wow, okay. He's going to be adolescent in his hey, temperament. Did you, did you see the mooch? Oh, the mooch is going to be on Colbert Monday night. No, I just heard about it. Yeah, awesome. Wow, on Colbert. Yeah, that's got to be great. Got to be great. I think wow. Colbert knows how to handle that sort of stuff. I think the Mooch is trying to, you know, be an act. So I think he'll uh, he'll bring it. I think it could be very entertaining. Better have a twenty second delay or whatever. How long is our delay? You told me the other day. Uh, twenty. Twenty seconds. Yeah. 
Man, I could re- unleash a string of filth that would never make it Go to the Go ahead. Air. The people listening online would hear it. <laughs> I heard an F-bomb. I was listening to a show on uh, one of your apps the other day. There's an F-bomb. You might enjoy this, Sean and uh, Vincent. Or... And, and by the way, I emerged fine. I You're okay? No, no you f- didn't file a formal complaint? <laughs> no. We did this show for years with no delay. I right. remember that. Zero delay. And then and, and, and then we all remember the day. Right. The day that changed the world when Janet Jackson showed her nipple on the Super Bowl. <gasps> and, then, and then we, on a talk radio show that had never had any delay or any problems... All of a sudden, we need a 20-second delay. <laughs> so nobody would, like, talk about their nipple? <laughs> well, and what was funny was we'd have callers oh. drop S-bombs or whatever, and yeah. we'd say, hey, you can't say that. We'd hang up on them. And nobody was ever, like, hurt. No children were, were, were like, driven into a lunatic asylum. No marriages <laughs> broke up. You guys weren't sued to pay for the counseling bills. That, yeah, right? yeah, no kidding. Everybody was fine. It's funny that Janet Jackson's nipple led to morning talk shows having 20-second delays. <laughs> yeah, no what the kidding. hell? Put that thing away, baby! <laughs> uh, maybe that's why people drink so much since the early 2000s, Joe. Mm. It is up quite a bit, um, uh, the amount of drinking. Uh, the, the main rise, men haven't changed that much, but women and the elderly are drinking more, and that, so that brought up uh, the overall number. Um, Salute to the old folks. They're com- Here's to you. They're comparing like last year to 2002. So, you know, decade plus, uh, it's gone up a fair amount. Uh, the number of people who had consumed alcohol in the past 12 months went up 11.2%. Good Lord. And that amount of time who had had any alcohol in the last year. I don't know. I mean, double-digit rise or fall in something is supposed to be statistically something you pay attention to. But sure. Add drink in a year. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you count somebody who has who now has a glass of wine at Christmas dinner and didn't before. I mean, I don't know what, what right. you count that as. And they drink, add drink of it and say, I don't really like this. I rode a horse once in the last year. That doesn't make me a jockey. <laughs> You'd be a terrible jockey for a number of reasons. Have to be a big, strong horse. <laughs> uh, High-risk drinking went up by almost 30% in that amount of time. You're drinking while sitting on a wood chipper? High-risk drinking's up 30% since the early 2000s, they say. It's drinking while balancing on top of a skyscraper? Right, while uh, wood chipping. Men fall into the high-risk category if they have had, and God help you if you've ever had this. I hope I'm never in the same room with somebody, with someone who's done this. Had five or more standard drinks on one day oh. in a week. Oh, boy. Five Coors Lights one on a Saturday a night. What does that mean? Oh, per week? Or? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, five Coors Lights while watching a ball game on Saturday night, and you're a high-risk drinker? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's not not drinking. You're too drunk to drive, probably. But maybe not, but now big Depends. a guy you are. are it, it, did you watch the whole football game? In then three no. hours? No, you're not. No, if you're no. a 200-pound male, for instance, you can metabolize two drinks in an hour. God, you say so you're, you're, you're going to be a lousy jockey. Say your Saturday <laughs> afternoon evening is, I'm going to mow the lawn, oh, for me anyway, mow the lawn and watch a baseball game. Right. Drinking five cruise lights, mowing the lawn and watching a baseball game is no big deal. Right. I don't think, but that puts you in the high-risk category. Uh, this one, I don't even know what this means. The largest change was in the most severe alcohol use category, the number of people who had received a diagnosis of alcoholism over the period of two studies shot up 49%, which means that now one in eight Americans have received a diagnosis of alcoholism in the year before the latest survey. We're drinking ourselves to death. 
or the standard has changed because the insurance companies want something or other. This is a great Freakonomics example. Well, my quibble is with the diagnosis of an alcoholism. I consider myself an alcoholic. I don't have any idea what that means. A diagnosis of alcoholism. From who? When? Who diagnoses alcoholism? I didn't even know it was a thing. Is that a thing? Is there such a thing? I don't know. They just stated that as if everybody knows, like it's leukemia or something. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. You know, we don't have time for this, but I want to pay off at least uh, partially the strictest straight the state, rather, for drunk driving, Arizona, the laxest South Dakota. There you go. So saddle up, South Dakota. Enjoy the bison. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.